Today's year will begin five lines from the top of Daf Tes Zion. In our previous year, we were discussing the use of the dirt, the presence of the dirt that is part of the Sota process. And today, we continue with a discussion related to the issue of Ofar. And on the side of the Gemara, you might notice we have a topic heading which reads Shimush Be'efer Bimkom Ofar. The use of ash instead of dirt. The two words almost appear, they appear almost the same. One is spelled with an aleph, that's the ash, afer, and dirt with an ayin, afar. You'll notice we also have a structural note, the mivneh. The Gemara opens up with a question. If you skim down the omid and in fact continue onto Omid Bays, you'll notice that this geometric form, the volcano shape, or trapezoid if you prefer, is going to appear in alternating directions. So under the Mivne heading, we call this a Ma'akav. A Ma'akav is an attempt to keep track of a type of give and take discussion. The shapes, each one will have a dual purpose. With the narrow part facing upwards, they represent She'elos, questions. Ubahem Sheikh, and as the Gemara continues, they also represent Nisyonos Lahachshir Efer, attempts to show that ash is an acceptable replacement for dirt. The inverted shape will represent Chuvo, say, responses, and in this case, Baham Sheikh. In the continuation of the Gemara, Sibos Lifsol Efer. These are reasons to disqualify Efer as being a replacement for Ofor. In other words, inverted volcano indicating that ash not acceptable. Just uh, take a bird's eye look at this sukya. The Gemara opens up with a question, and we've noted as a long question Is Efer a suitable replacement for Ofor? The, following the long question, and we're trying to navigate by looking at our markings that you see on the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara text, then you see a tough, a tshuva, a response. The question was, is afer, ash, a, a qualify as a replacement for afar? Answer, no. And you can see the inverted volcano shape. So essentially, we're answering at that point, not good. The Gemara, after that, you can see a volcano shape, narrow part facing up, saying, no, we're going to say that Afer is acceptable. More having said, Tona Vashir. The Tana gives certain examples, but he's not exhaustive, and Afer would also be a good um, uh, replacement for Afar. We didn't explain what we meant by left out. That, of course, will become rele- uh, more uh, clear when we get into the Gemara itself. But... Uh, trying to feel the give and take style of the Gemara, and then following that response of Tona Vashir that Afer is good, the Gemara challenges that, and you see the inverted tri- the inverted volcano saying Umay Shir the High Shir. Well, and what else was left out? And the Gemara says there is something else that was left out of the list, Shir, and then with that we have a long marking, but all of that is designed to show that Afer would be acceptable. Following that long marking that we called shear, you notice that the volcano once again appears inverted, 
And on the side of Moisei, ain't sure. There isn't something that was dis- the left out of the list, but the point is that the afer is not acceptable. That's the, the thrust of the Gemara that you see uh, six lines from the bottom of this omit. Afer, not acceptable. We go to the t- uh, upper part of omit bays. You'll notice several lines from the top of Omid Bays, about seven lines from the top. Once again, the volcano shape appears narrow facing up, where the Gemara my Havi Allah. Here's a question. Well, what is the din in the final analysis? Can you use Afer or not? The direction taken there is very similar to the beginning of the Gemara. It's a question. Is Afer good? Inverted. And then the Gemara concludes with an inverted uh, volcano shape. And that represents the end of this discussion where the Gemara concludes Afer is not acceptable. So having experienced, we'll say, the, the skeleton of the Gemara, the flow of the Gemara, you notice the give and take style, let's now go to the text itself. Five lines from the top of Tezayin Aleph. Let us say that there was no dirt available. Mahu shitin efer can ash be used? And here we have a bracketed section. Let's skip the bracketed section initially. And the question was asked, and as very often appears, there are two sides of the question, and that's what you see. And we've noted it with an aleph. Next line at the end, you see O Dilma Bays. Two sides of the question. On the one hand, Afalgav the Ikri Afar, even though Afer is called Afar. In other words, that's in the bracketed section, uh, references made to this uh, uh, interchangeability of these words. So even though Afer might be called Afar, and for the Sota, the Torah speaks about the use of Afar, here, with specifically the case of Sota, the term Kaka Mishkan appears from the floor of the Mishkan, which would seem to exclude Ash. Ash has no relevance to the floor of the Mishkan. Oy Dilma. High Bekarka Mishkan, or it's possible that the term Bekarka Mishkan is not a reference to the dirt, but rather Luchdi'isi ben Yehuda, Luchdi'isi ben Menachem, who Da'asi. It comes for the teachings that we saw at the bottom of the Aptes Vav Amid Beis, and at the top here of our Daf that we, at the end of pre, our last year, where Isi ben Menachem appear. So that the, the term Bekarka Mishkan has a, an alternative role and not to exclude ash. Now, we skipped a bracketed section within our question. Let's go over it again. Let's start from the beginning of the question. If there's no dirt, can you use ash? According to Beis Shamai, there is no question. The Amri, they say, According to Beishamai, we don't find Afer referred to as Afar. So if Afer is not referred to as Afar and the Torah says, bring Afar, you can't bring Afer. There's no issue according to Beishamai. The question becomes relevant according to Beishamai. We didn't see Beishamai Sil, so don't be concerned. Well, what are you talking about? Rashi tells us that this Gemara is referring to a machlokis Beishamai Beisilo that you find in Maseches Chulin regarding the mitzvah of Kisui Hadam, covering the blood of birds or uh, undomesticated kosher variety animals that were slaughtered, where the Torah says, Vechiso Ba'afar, 
and there is a discussion there concerning the use of ash. Beisilul and Beishamay argue. For our purposes, realize that according to Beishamay, there is no basis of even raising this question. But Kiti boy Allah, we continue in our Gemara Liba the Beisilul, the Amri. According to Beis Hillel, who says, Motsinu Efer Shekorui Afar Mai. We find uh, in the Torah that, uh, in the case of the Porah Duma, it says, Velokhu Me Afar Srefasachatos. In the context of Porah Duma, which is a uh, procedure of burning a red heifer, its ash being used for the uh, uh, purification of those who were defiled to the dead. And uh, we know that the, the uh, cow is burnt, and yet the Torah says you take from the offar of the streifas achatas. The streifas is the burning of that particular achatas is the red heifer. Ah, but the Torah uses the word offar. Offar, dirt. But it's a burnt animal. It's not dirt, it's ash. So what do you see? You see over there that Afer, which in reality you're dealing with ash, and the Torah calls it Afar. My. So the question for us is in the case of Sota, where the Torah speaks about Afar, can you bring, can you use ash? Are they interchangeable? And the Mora analyzes Afagav. On the one hand, you might say, no, they're not interchangeable here by Sota. Why? That Afagav the Ikri. Offer, even though ash is you, is referred to by the term offer, hacha here by the case of sota bekaka mishkan ksiv, it says you're going to take the offer from the floor of the mishkan, and that would seem to then discount, disqualify ash, ash having nothing to do with the floor of the mishkan, oidilma, or possibly high bekaka mishkan. The, the role of Kaka Mishkan in the Pasuk is not to exclude Ash, but rather ben Yehuda ben Menachem The role of the term Kaka Mishkan is for what Isi ben Yehuda said on Tesvava Midbeis or for what Isi ben Menachem says on the top of our Omid. And just to repeat, but not to exclude Efer. So at this point, the question has been raised. Very simply, is Afer qualified as a replacement for Ofer by the Sota? Toshma, and the Gemara answers. We have a long answer, and the thrust of this answer is no, you cannot use Afer. Until we get to that conclusion, we have to go through a, quite a discussion. The dashed underlining of Shmuel will have significance later on. Rabbi Yochanan says in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, Halacha, it means the oral Torah, the oral tradition. The oral tradition in three realms, three uh, examples, Okeves, uproots Mikra, the, that which the scripture says. And here are the examples. The Torah says in the mitzvah of Kisui Hadam, of covering the blood of the of birds that are slaughtered, you use Ofar, dirt. And the, the oral law, the Torah Shibal Peh, tells us Bechol Dovar. 
you can use all kinds of materials so that even though the Torah is very specific it says Be'afar the oral tradition basically says no you, you don't have to use Afar you can use other things Rashi mentions other substances in which plants can grow and he gives examples a second uh, situation Hator Omra in the case of the nausea the case of someone who accepts upon himself uh, the the nausea vow uh, the abst- um, abstinence from, from wine and prohibition of taking haircuts at the end of the nausea period he is to shave his head betar betar is a razor and the oral tradition says that the uh, sh- the shaving can be uh, I should say let me uh, let me correct myself here the Torah says that a nausea is not allowed to take a haircut using a razor uh, it's true at the end of the nazir's period he removes his hair with a razor but for the time being regarding the Esor to Sporus, the Torah says he cannot use a razor and when it comes to the actual law he cannot take haircut with with anything with scissors as well so the Torah said prohibition is with tar and the oral tradition uproots that which the Torah says namely and the prohibition is with everything in the case of the third, this third example in the case of a get a divorce document that the husband when he divorces his wife he writes out a document and it says Vikosovo Sefer Krisus. And the word Sefer it has a very specific connotation. It's a reference to a document written on a piece of parchment. The Halacha Bakhaldavar. And when it comes to the oral tradition, the, the Halacha tells us that it can be written on anything. A divorce document is acceptable if it's written on uh, paper, it's uh, written uh, on a wood uh, tablet. So what? According to Rabbi Shmuel, the Torah might say one thing. Oral tradition says something else. In our question, we're dealing with Afar of the Sota. The Torah says that Afar, dirt, is to be brought for the Sota process. Mina Afar Shiyah B'Karka Mishkan Leposik says in Bamidbar Perek Hey Posik Yudzayin. Our question is. Can you use afer? That would be, uh, we'll say, an undoing of that which the Torah dictates. Does the Sota example appear in this list? Rabbi Shmuel says in three cases, the oral tradition undoes the what's written in the scripture. It doesn't include afer as an example. Ve'im Esau, if it were so that Afer is acceptable, Lechshiv Nami Hai, let this also be in a list of examples of Mikra, where the oral tradition undoes the scripture. So that from the fact that this Sota Ash suggestion doesn't appear, it must be that Afer is unfit. The Gemara says, let's not be so hasty to exclude Afer just because it's not in the list. Tona v'shir. Tona means he teaches. Rabbi Shmuel teaches a list of things where oral tradition undoes scripture. 
But it this he left out Vashir, he left out the case of uh Afer. It could have been taught as well. Afer is okay. The Gemara asks, Umay Shear the High Shear. This is a challenge. We have an inverted uh, volcano shape because we're challenging what we just suggested that the afer would be okay. When you say that a list is taught but is incomplete, it cannot be termed incomplete by virtue of just one element or one example being left out. If you want to say something is incomplete, there have to be two or more examples of things that are left out. Otherwise, if you have just one thing that's left out, it appears to us to be very rather deliberate that only this thing was left out. If you say two things were left out of the list, so uh, the, the one making the list didn't want to uh, exhaust all of the examples, so he taught a few but left out others. So inevitably, when you try to give this answer of Tana Vishir, you're going to have to come up with something else that was left out of the list as well. So, Umay Shir Dahai Shir. What did Rabbi Shmuel leave out of the list in addition to the Afer example by the Sota that would justify leaving the Afer uh, uh, example out of the list as well? One says, yeah, there is something else that was left out. Shear Mitzorah. Now here we have a long marking indicating something else was left out. When we say something else was left out, that's good for the afer cause. In other words, if you want to legitimatize afer for the sota, it's important that something else was left out. Well, what's the something else? The something else has to do with the realm of mitzora. When we uh, get into this section of we might end up losing sight of the forest for the trees. We're going to be discussing details concerning the, the Mitsora uh, haircut requirements. And uh, we're going to lose a little bit of the flow of the Gemara. So before we get into the details, notice at the end of the long marking, there is a, once again the volcano shape flips over, narrow part down. And a long marking appears to the side of the Gemara once again. Ain Shior. This attempt to say that the Mitzora is the additional example that Rabbi Shmuel left out of his list, it's not a good example. And notice that we have then a, a long marking, Ain Shior. And that will take us to the seventh line from the top of Omid Beis. Okay, now we uh, have to delve into the issue of the Mitsora haircut requirements. This we call a tatno, say we have a subtopic heading here, Tiglachas Sheni de Mitsora. A Mitsora, a person who experienced uh, tsoras, stints, a uh, skin discoloration where the skin turns white, and the Torah is full of details in Parshas Tazria in Sefer Vayikra on the topic. Certainly, we're not going to get involved with all of that. All that we have to note for now is that the Torah speaks about the Mitzorah taking a haircut, in fact, taking two haircuts. One's called Tiglachas Rishon, the other is Tiglachas Sheni. The first haircut is when the Kohen rules that the uh, the Tsaras disappeared, and then seven days later, a second haircut is taken. The psukim that describe these haircuts, once again, if you just if you just focus on the psukim themselves, you might 
find a difference between the, the, the haircut taken at the beginning of that week of purification, on the, the first haircut, versus the Tiglachas Sheni, the second haircut. When you look at the Psukim, the Torah says, as Kol Syro, he is to remove all his body hair. No exception. All body hair is removed. When you say all body hair, it includes even the hair on his arms, on his legs, his uh, underarms, all body hair is removed. When you look at the Psukim regarding the second haircut, it's not as inclusive. It's taught in what we call a Klau Uprat Klau fashion. Klau Uprat is a, a structure of Psukim that teach something in a general tone, then a specific tone, and then subsequent a subsequent general tone. That's called Klau is general, Prat, specific, Klau, general. Uh, scriptural structure like that indicates that we're willing to include a little bit more than that which is specified in the verse, but we're also excluding things. So I hope you're getting the feeling at least that when you look at things scripturally, the haircut number one is different than haircut number two of the Mitzorah. What is the actual procedure? Meaning, what we've referred to before as the halacha, the oral tradition, which is for us the bottom line, the final word. Surprise, surprise. Both haircuts. The second haircut is just like the first haircut. Complete hair removal. In our Gemara markings, before we get into the text, we have diamonds that might stand out. One diamond uh, includes the expression Mokum Kinu Seir Venira. That's uh, hair that grows uh, in a, uh, a dense, concentrated fashion and is visible. Uh, hair that grows on one's head as opposed to hair that you find on one's arms. Uh, hair on one's head is is kinus, it's gathered together, it's, it grows in a dense fashion. Near means it's visible, let's say, to as opposed to hair on the uh, underarms, armpit hair, that's not visible, it's usually covered. There's another diamond, Kedalas. Kedalas is a, uh, without uh, committing ourselves to an actual translation, in modern Hebrew, that's not necessarily what the Gemara means, but a Kedalas is a, a uh, pumpkin. Uh, if you prefer, you can say a bowling ball or a bowling pin. Something that creates the image of total smoothness. So, that's another kind of haircut. Where it the the bowling pin look. Complete hair removal. So, when you uh, study the topic of Mitzorah, you find what looks like something Rabbi Shmuel was talking about before, about Halacha Ikevis Mikra. The Mikra says, Tiglachas Sheni, the second haircut of the Mitzorah, is not all inclusive. Comes along Halacha, the oral tradition, and uproots that and says, second haircut of the Mitzorah is total hair removal. The last form. If, if uh, the suki would end there, so then you go back to the Rebbe Yishmuel, he taught uh, three examples, Kisri Adam, Nozir, and Get, where the halochas is Oikeves Mikra, 
Ah, well, but we also buy the case of the Mitzorah, the Halacha, the Tiglachas Sheni, second haircut of the Mitzorah, is O Keves Mikra, whereas the Mikra would have said uh, limited haircut for Tiglachas Sheni Mitzorah. Oral tradition says bowling pin haircut for Tiglachas Sheni Mitzorah. Oh, now once I say that Mitzorah is an example of Halacha Keves Mikra, I can add the case of the Afer in the Sota situation. Let's read this now in the Gemara. Shear Mitzorah. I hope everyone sees where we are in the text. In the middle of the page, the long marking to the right-hand side of the Gemara text, you see Shear, saying the Rabbi Shmuel above left out of his list the case of Mitzorah. On the seventh day of the purification week of the Mitzorah of Galach, as Kol Syro. The Mitzorah removes all his hair. Clout. That's a general statement. But yet the Pesach goes on to say, Hair from his head, hair from his beard, and hair from his eyebrows. Clout. Those are specific examples. The Pesach goes on to say, The Pesach is saying, And all his hair he shaves off. A general statement. Structurally, what do we have? Klal upratu klal. General, specific, followed by general. Iatodon elokena prat. If you want to include other areas of hair removal, they'll have to be similar to the attributes or the qualifications represented by the specifics. What were the specifics? Head, beard, eyebrows. Maha prat mefurash. The Torah, in its specific examples, is teaching explicitly mokom kinuseir venireh. Those three parts of the body represent cases where the hair grows in concentration and they're visible. Afkol mokom kinuseir venireh. So to any other part of the body where the hair grows in a concentrated fashion and is also visible. And when we say visible, uh, uh, as opposed to hidden, we're not referring to clothing. We're referring to the body in its natural position. Is the hair visible or not? So, uh, being that the posik is in a cloud, pratu cloud fashion, we have a right to include something beyond uh, head, beard, and eyebrows. My Ravi, what is what else is included as having these qualifications of kinu seavenira? Ravi Seraglayim. This is a euphemism, so don't don't uh, don't just translate this. It's a reference to what we call the pubic hairs, uh, literally the hairs of the feet. But the term is loshon sagi nohar, lishno ma'alyo. You'll see pleasant speech. We don't uh, instead of referring to it in its in its uh, uh, direct a term, we use a euphemism. So, uh, uh, pubic hairs, those are, they grow in concentration, and they are visible. Of course, if a person is unclothed, you just look at the person, you can see them. My miate, what's excluded? What, for example, are hairs that would not be included in the, uh, on a scriptural level as part of the, the second Mitzorah haircut requirement? What's excluded? My miate, what's excluded? Miate, the base has shechi or the kule gufe. What's being excluded for the tiglachas sheni of the mitzora? Armpit hairs. What? What do they? Armpit hairs grow in concentration. However, they're not. They're not immediately visible. That's base has shechi. Armpit hairs. The kule gufe. Hairs found on the rest of one's body, uh, arms, 
uh, that hair is visible, but it doesn't grow in concentration. So scripturally, Teglachas Sheni of the Mitzorah, limited hair removal. The Hilchasa, the oral tradition, Megaleach Kedlas, Tisnan, the haircut of the Mitzorah, the second haircut, is actually going to be like his first haircut, and he removes to make himself hair free. Body hair removal, like a bowling pin. Tisnan, Boloi Lahakif Es Hamitzora. This is a source. Right now, we're talking about the first haircut, the initial haircut of the Mitzora. Uh, when he comes to shave the head around, Mavir Tar Al Kol Besoro. So a razor is passed over all of his flesh. The Kotani Seifa, and it, go, it continues to say in the end of that Tanaic source, Uvayom Hashvi Megalcho. On the seventh day, that's the seventh day of the purification week, the Mitzorah does his second haircut that is reminiscent, that is similar to Tiglachas Rishona. So that even though Yom HaShvi, according to the Mikra, was darshaned as a klal pratu klal, which limited me to areas of hair concentration, the Oral tradition says, do the second Mitzorah haircut like the Tiglachas Rishona, like the Dalas, like the pumpkin or bowling pin style, complete hair removal. Alright, so what do we have? We have a case of Halacha Okeves Mikra. And if you have Mitzorah as an example that was not stated by Rabbi Shmuel in his original list of three items, so he left out Mitzorah. He might as well. He, he might very well then have left out the case of the Afer. Afer then could also be an example of Halacha Keves Mikra, and Afer would be acceptable for Sota Ash being acceptable. Rejection. The volcano shape becomes inverted now, and we're going to fo- again focus on the issue: Could Afer really have been included in that list? Notice three triangles. And on the side of the Gemara, under the Mivneh, the structural note, Deos, Loma, Mitzorah, Eino, Nechshav, Shior. Truth is, is that Mitzorah does not qualify as something left out of Rabbi Shmuel's list. Three explanations as to why we cannot rely on the absence of Mitzorah from his list to justify the absence of Afer from the list. And if we, if we then remove Mitzorah from the discussion and then say, well, maybe uh, Rabbi Shmo left out Afer, but it's leaving out a case of leaving out only one example, and that's not acceptable. So the thrust of this Gemara is to show that in truth Afer would be unacceptable. Now, we get into details. Why, was, uh, why does Mitzorah really not constitute uh, an example of Halacha uh, Ikeves Mikra Omar of Nachmar Yitzchak Ki Ka Choshiv Choshiv is a word referring to a, an accounting or a listing when Rabbi Shmuel made a listing of, of uh, examples Halacha Ikeves Mikra that's a case where uh, oral tradition undid that which is spelled out Mikra means something that's explicit in the verse and you, just by looking back in the Gemara, you can see 
that in each one of the cases, the oral tradition undid that which was specified in an explicit fashion in those three cases of Kisei Adam, Nozir, and Get. Ha, the case of the Mitzorah, it's true we have an oral tradition undoing something, but ha, keves midarabononhi. The word midarabonon is a tricky word. Uh, midarabonon often means something that's rabbinic, uh, meaning rabbinic as opposed to something on a Torah level. Here, we're not dealing with something that's of rabbinic origin, but the, uh, I believe we can use the term, the hermeneutics that appeared here, the klau, pratu klau, this method of deriving information through oral tradition in how to view scriptures, that is also called dirabona, because it involves a, tra- a tradition that the rabbis had dating back to the giving of the Torah itself. So here we have, we'll say, a conflict between an oral tradition and information that's not explicit in the verses, but information that was derived through klau pratu klau. So that uh, Mitzorah doesn't fit into the list of things that Rabbi Shmuel was talking about. Rabbi Shmuel, just to repeat, Rabbi Shmuel spoke about examples where the oral tradition undoes something spelled out explicitly in the verse. Here, the Tiglach Hasheni of the Mitzorah, we have an oral tradition undoing something that's derived through klau prat uklau. Rav Papa Omar, ki kachashiv, halocha oikeves veoikeres. Rav Papa says the list that Rabbi Shmuel presented were cases where the oral tradition uh, went, uh, went around and literally uprooted. It changed that which the Torah intended. Ha, the case of the Mitzorah is, uh, the second haircut of the Mitzorah is okeves, literally it, it goes around, and umosephes he. The oral tradition in regard to the Mitzorah Tiglach Hasheni is not uprooting that which the Torah says. The Torah spoke about the Mitzorah moving hair from certain parts of his body, and the oral tradition comes along and says, don't limit yourself to those parts, but add other parts of the body. It's adding. It's not changing. In other words, in the case of the Mitzorah, second haircut, he's going to be doing exactly what it says in the Pesach. You're going to see that which he's doing, practically speaking, hair removal, for example, he's going to shave his head. The Torah says he shaves his head, as Rosho. He's going to do that. He's not changing it. He simply adds. He's going to remove the hair. He's going to shave the hair off his arms also. That's not an undoing of what the Torah said. So that the example of the Mitzvah is not like the case of, let's say, get. The Torah says, write the get on parchment. I'm going to have a get that is written on a piece of paper. Well, when you look at the piece of paper, there's no reflection. There's no hint of what the Torah said. That's a total uprooting. So, Mitzvah doesn't fit into the list. And therefore, as we said before, that's bad news for those who want to uh, uh, want to include Afer as being left out of the list. Ravashi Omar. Ravashi tells us, Ha masnisa money. Rabbi Yishmuel he didorish kloli uprati. The Tanaic source that you notice the first of the two diamonds 
that Tanaic source which began with the words that is authored by Rebbe Ishmael. The Tiglachas Sheni of the Mitzora, as being defined by Mokum Kinu Seyar Venira, the diamond that we had above, that is a source authored by Rebbe Ishmael. Let's read this in the Gemara again. Hamas Nisa, money. Rabbi Shmuel, he did Dorish Kolei That's Rabbi Shmuel's approach to scriptures throughout the Torah. He has a tradition of explaining them in the Klal Uprat fashion. Uh, we continue at the top of Omid Beis Kedalas money, the second Tanaic source. You notice where we had a diamond. And then we had a source that said that the Teglachas Sheni is to be exactly like the Teglachas Rishon. That's Rebbe Akiva. He. That's authored by someone else. That's authored by Rebbe Akiva, the Dorish Ribui Umiuti, who explains Psukim in it using a different form of derivation. It's called the Ribui Umiut method, uh, which. At the end of the day, without getting into details, it's a quite a long topic in and of itself, but at the end of the day, the Rebiumiut fashion will be more inclusive than the Klal Uprat fashion. The statement made by uh, Shmuel, by that was quoted before, of Halacha Oikeves Mikra, that was taught by Rebbe Yishmuel. Mitzora, the, the the ability to see by Mitzora halacha keves mikra, well, that would be if you uh, hold by Rabbi Kiva's approach. So there, we don't see Mitzoras as as being. We don't see any any uh, uh, let's say uh, um, manifestation by Mitzora of that actually happening of halacha keves mikra. The only way to have seen that is to assume that the source of the Las is authored by the same one who authored Mokom Kinus Seir Venera, and that the Las is uprooting the Mokom Kinus Seir Venera requirement. But they're authored by two different people. And here the uh, Gemara gives us the background, the Sanyo, the background to what we just said, namely that there is the other approach of darshaning those psukim in the ribui umiut fashion. And we're going to see the difference between the two approaches very shortly. The Sanyo. Again, a source dealing with the uh, Mitzorah. And by the way, uh, when you, if you just, if you would skip this section, you see the Gemara comes to the issue of my Havi Allah. <coughs> so that uh, up till this point, we've essentially rejected Afer. Uh, there, the Gemara asks, what should we do practically? Can we include Afer or not? Uh, the Gemara will answer, don't include it. Uh, I don't want to confuse anybody, but uh, there is a question that uh, Toysus at the top, it's a short Toysus, he raises the question that why in the world does the Gemara have to bother asking Mayhavi Allah when it would seem that the Gemara came to a conclusion? By the, uh, we'll say the uh, the last um, inverted volcano shape, uh, where you see we have this long marking, so we've come to a conclusion. There's nothing more to pursue. Yet the Gemara does pursue. That's an issue that uh, Tesfus takes up. 
But for our purposes, let's now go into the source that the Gemara quotes here, Desanya. Uh, once again, we're dealing with the Tiglachas Sheni of the Mitzorah, and we're going to darshan it, the Psukim, in a Ribui Umiut fashion. Desanya. And on the seventh day of the purification week, the Mitzorah shaves off all his hair. Riba. That's inclusive. S. Rosho, V.S. Zikono, V.S. Gabos Enov. That is Mi'et. Exclusive. In other words, it's. Tell it's excluding all other parts of the body. It's saying he removes the hair only from Rosh Hashanah and Gabosenov. Ah, Vies Kol Syro Yigaleach. Chosaviriba. Once again, an inclusive expression. Structurally, then, what do we have? Riba, Umiye, Vriba, Riba Hakol. Well, well, when you have this, we'll, we'll say you've got to include all hair to be removed. My Riba? Riba de Kule Gufe. We're including his entire body, and that's what we meant before Dalas the bowling pin style haircut. Who my me after all, when you have a limitation expression, something must be excluded. So what does he not need to remove? Uh, hair wise hair Shibasochotem. He doesn't have to the Mitsura doesn't have to remove nasal hairs, hairs that are growing in his nostrils. But other than that all hair is removed, including uh, armpit hairs and certainly pubic hairs. Everything is removed according to Rabbi Akiva's approach. I, I want to emphasize even the armpit hairs and even the arm and leg hairs. Those are two examples of hair removal that Rabbi Shmuel, who darshan in the cloud Pratu Klau fashion, would not have required. Rabbi Akiva does require. My Havi Allah. What is to be our conclusion? In the case of no dirt by the sota, can you use ash? Ta shma. We answer. The Omar of Huna Barashi Omar Rav. Ain Shom Ofar. If they find themselves in the sota process and not having any dirt available, maybe Rakvuvis Yerek Umekadesh. They bring some decomposed vegetable matter. If you leave vegetables out long enough, they'll inevitably dry up, decompose, and turn into some, let's say, uh, granular type substance. You can bring that, umikadesh, kash means, and add that to the water. And we infer now from what Rav Huna just taught. We're skipping two words. Rashi does not include the two words, and that's why we have them in, we bracket them out. And we infer, Rakfuvis Yerek, who the Havoy Ofar. Rakfuvis Yerek qualifies as a replacement for Ofar, a fellow Havoy Ofar, but Ash does not. So, as we indicated with our markings, hopefully you're able to follow this discussion back and forth, back and forth. And you see how the Gemara concludes, Afer is unacceptable. A quote from the Mishnah, al the amount of offer, of dirt, that is added to the water in the Sota process, is an amount that should be visible uh, when added to the water. should be visible on the surface of the water. There are three examples of substances that need to be visible. 
offer sota, the example of dirt in the case of the sota water, v'efer pora, the ash of the pora duma, when the ash of the pora duma is added to the water, the mayim uh, chayim, the water drawn from a live spring, in the case of the uh, uh, ash water preparation, there has to be enough ash that's added that it's visible. And for Roik Yavama, the Yavama is the sister-in-law of a uh, of a man, brother of her, of her husband. Her husband died, leaving no children. The surviving brother-in-law is given the option of either marrying her. That's called a Yibum marriage. And if the Yibum, the Yavam, doesn't want to marry her, they do Chalitza, whereby she removes a shoe from his foot and there is a spitting that she does. That's the roke. The roke is the saliva, the spittle that she uh, spits in front of the brother-in-law that doesn't want to marry her. That roke has to be visible to the judges, to the uh, Dayonim that are standing witnessing this process. Mishum Rabbi Shmuel Amru Af Dam Tzipar. In the name of Rabbi Shmuel, there is added the blood of the bird. This is a reference to, once again, the Mitzorah purification process whereby a bird is slaughtered over a uh, receptacle containing water and the uh, amount of water uh, that's used is a, uh, a revius of water and the blood that comes from the bird when slaughtered over the water, that blood must be visible. The Rashi, a few lines up from here in the Rashi, One has to be careful to use an amount of water, not too much, an amount of water that the blood coming from this little bird that's slaughtered uh, will be noticeable. We want, the, we want the the redness of the blood to be noticeable in the water. If you have too much water, the uh, the blood will simply be uh, diluted uh, within the water, and you won't notice it. My taimo de Rabbi Yishmoel. What is the basis for Rabbi Yishmoel uh, and his adding dam uh, of the Mitzorah? Dichtiv. The pasuk says. We have on the side of the Gemara, by the way, this is from Vayikra Perak Yudalid Posuk Vov. On the side of the Gemara, we've uh, included Posuk Hay as well. Let's read it together. Vayikra Yudalid Posukim Hay and Vov. Before we continue in the Gemara text, we're looking at the side and we're dealing with the Mitzorah purification. It says, V'tsiva Akain, V'shochad Es Hatsipor Hoachas El Kli Cheres Al Mayim Chaim. The Kohen instructs. And a bird is slaughtered. One of the two birds. There's a lie. There's two birds brought in the uh, in the Mitzora process. This is a reference to the slaughtering of one bird over the clay vessel that contains uh, water from a live spring. The other bird, the one that remains alive that you do not slaughter, that's called the tzipor chay, the living bird. You take it vs eight soeres. This Shniatolas, Veso Azov, three other elements. You take them, Vitoval Oisom, Vesatsipor Chaya Badama Tsipor, Ashuto, Al Hamayim Achaim. You immerse these uh, four 
uh, elements in the blood water mixture and that's uh, then sprinkling is done that is what uh, is uh, relevant to our uh, Mitzorah discussion so now let's go into the Gemara text we asked according to Rabbi Shmuel how does he know to add the case of Dam Tzipor the Pesach says and we, you saw that in Pesach Vav Vitanya Bedam. The Pasuk says Bedam. Yochol Bedam Velo Bemayim. Does that mean that the dipping is in blood and not in water? Talmud Lomar. Mayim. The Pasuk also speaks about Al Hamayim Hachayim. Well, E Mayim Yochol Bemayim Velo Bedam. If water then is the substance into which the dipping takes place, is it water and not blood? Talmud Lomar Bedam. The Pasuk also says in blood. So how do you resolve these points? Maybe Mayim Shadam Behem. You bring water, an amount of which the blood of the slaughtered little bird will be recognizable. The Kama, what's the amount of water? Revius. That is Rabbi Shmuel's approach. The Tanakama in the source above didn't include the case of the Mitsora bird. Thurabonan who didn't expect the Mitzorah bird blood to be recognizable in the water, what do the Rabbanon do with the Pesach we just read? It's needed to teach the basic law itself. Thusly the Torah says, You take the living bird and the other three elements and dip them into a, uh, a mixture of uh, blood and water. But no expectation that the blood has to be visible or noticeable. The gufay, once again, that means simply the procedure that you're expected to do without any allusion in this posit to the additional requirement of the blood being noticeable. For Bishmoel, Bishmoel said that you learn from here that the blood has to be noticeable, not just present in the water, but also noticeable in Cain, if like the Rabbanon, if not like I say, Liftoiv Rachmon of Tova Bohem. The, the Torah would have been able to simply say bohem. Why does the Torah specify Dam and Mayim? It would have been understood anyway that you have water and blood. Why then do you have to specify from the context, by reading the Psukim, you see that in Pasuk He you saw, for example, that there's water from a live spring. In Pasuk Vav, you see that there is a, you have all these elements. I should point out that in Pasuk He you also see the slaughtering of the bird uh, over the uh, kli, over the vessel with the water. So there you've got the blood and the water alluded to. Why in Pasuk Vav do you have to spell out these words? Answer, Lenikar for the requirement of it being noticeable. The Rabbanon. Well, what about the Rabbanon that don't require it? So is there not then this redundancy in the Psukim? So the Rabbanon explain, had the Torah simply written uh, relying on my knowledge of the presence of water and blood anyway, well, I would have come to an erroneous conclusion. I would have thought that you take the living bird and the uh, other three elements and you dip them into 
blood separately and water separately. That's Lichudei means by itself. So in Posik Vov, it has to spell out to tell me that when you do the dipping, you're doing the dipping into blood that's mixed with the water. But once again, not that the blood has to be visible or noticeable, just that they have to be mixed. For Abishmuel, as far as the uh, idea of them being mixed, that I could have derived from another Pasuk. We read in Pasuk Hay, where it says, So there you see the, the, blood, the, 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 the bird is slaughtered over the water, so they're mixed. I know mixture from Pasuk Hay. I don't need uh, the reference in Pasuk Vav to the, uh, to the Dam and the Mayim for telling me mixture. So what's it there for? To telling, as Rabbi Shmuel says, noticeability. Recognition. Verabonon, Verabonon who don't require the blood of the bird to be recognizable. E mehahu, had I had just posuk hey, have amino, I would have thought when the posuk says v'shocharis atzipor achas el kli cheres amayim chaim, I would have thought lishkete somuch lemona slaughter the bird near the vessel containing the water and pinch the neck arteries or veins Keep pinch it shut so that there's no you slaughter the bird and no blood flows out and receive the blood in a separate vessel in a, again separate so that from Pasuk Hay, I wouldn't have known, says the Rabbon, on the idea of mixture. Komash Malan, I need Pasuk Vav to tell me mixture. But Pasuk Vav isn't there according to the Rabbon to tell me noticeability. So, you see the basis of this machlokus between Rabbi Shmuel and the Rabbonon regarding the Dam Tzipor as being a fourth example of Tzrichim She Ye Ra'u. According to the Rabbonon, it's not a fourth example, only three examples. We saw for Soite, for Pora, and Roik Yavama, and Rabbi Shmuel says that in these Psukim you see a fourth example, the Dam Tzipor of the Mitzora. Bo Mine is asking a question that when you uh, look into the Meforshim a little bit more, you can see this in, in Toisvis. Toisvis points out that uh, that is uh, Rabbi Yirmiya. Rabbi Yirmiya is not asking a question of mere inquiry, of curiosity, but rather he's raising a, a point of wonderment. Earlier in the Gemara, when we saw Rabbi Shmuel, he said that the blood of the tzipor must be recognizable and how much water would enable the blood of the bird to be recognizable uh, it said uh, the, a revius if you have a revius it's a liquid quantity a specific liquid quantity of water that amount so that with, with that amount anytime you slaughter a bird that's uh, that qualifies as a, as a mitzora type bird the blood will be recognizable. Rav Yirmiyah 
uh, here, and we find elsewhere in Shas. The most famous example is in the second parak of Bovo Basra, where he, and, and also the allusion is made to uh, the Gemara in uh, Rosh Hashanah, where the rabbis state uh, quantities, amounts, times, things in, in very objective fashion, uh, unqualified objective fashion. Rabirmia, you find, as we said, questions some of these things from time to time. And here is another example. Above, so I'm going to repeat what we said above. Above, in presenting Rabbi Shmuel, he said, "You'll if you have a revius of water, you will always be able to notice the blood of the little bird of the of the of the said Mitsora bird that slaughtered over it." The Gemara now. Imagine you have a a large bird, so much so that the quantity of blood would push away the water, you wouldn't even notice there's any water. Or, Ketana, the bird is so small, you slaughtered the bird over the water, but you wouldn't notice the blood because of the unbalanced ratio, so little blood relative to the uh, water. What Revumia is basically saying is that how can you say in such an unqualified fashion that as long as you have a revius of water, you will always notice the blood mixed in with the water. Apparently, you'll be able to notice that there's water, and you'll also notice that there's blood mixed in. It will always be like that. Revumia says, what's well, always going to be like that? Isn't it possible that you have a large bird that you won't notice any water, or that you have a small bird and you won't notice any blood? Omar Lay Rabbi Zero says, Are you questioning what the Rabbonon said above? Lav Amin Olach, did I not tell you? Lotapik Nafshoch Lambar Literally, do not take yourself out, don't exclude yourself from accepted oral traditions. But Sipur Dror, when you're dealing with. Um, Dror is a, a wild bird. It's a reference to a, a, a type of. A type of bird that in the, the, certainly the Gemara knew what they were referring to. Uh, when you're dealing with this kind of little free-flying bird, Shiaru Rabbonan, the Rabbonan made their uh, calculation, and Ein L'cha Shemadachas in the realm of Tzipor Dror, uh, I'm going to just use an example, and I don't intend to, uh, to say that that's what the Gemara is talking about, but if you're familiar with, uh, imagine, a sparrow. Sparrow is a, a variety of bird. It's a rather small, certainly not an ostrich. It's a small type of bird. And uh, if you just imagine that's what the, was used in the Mitsora process, the rabbis made their calculations based on sparrows. There's no sparrow large enough that it would uh, overpower, push away the water, that it would uh, render the water unrecognizable. If you have a revius of water, there isn't such a thing as such a large sparrow that would push away the water. The Ein Luchok Tano, there's nothing, there's no sparrow that's so small, that its blood uh, content would not be noticeable in the water. We continue with a, a new uh, discussion. On the side, we have a, no, say, a topic heading, 
which reads Hiktim Ofor Lamayim. If let us say you took the vessel, we spoke about a clay vessel, and you put the ash into the vessel before the water. Up till now, we've been assuming, we've been learning uh, with with the spirit of the of the dirt being added to the water. So the water was already there. What about switching the order around? And we're going to speak about two topics. One, Aleph Besota, and Beis Bepora. Pora is the Pora Duma, where ash, uh, not dirt, but ash is added to water for the ash water mixture used for t- the Tara of Tumas Mace. The Gemara, Tonu Rabonan, Hiktim Ofar Lemayim. Puzzle, Rabbi Shimon Machshir. Here we have a machlokes tanoim. According to the Tanakama, if you put the dirt in first, and then the water for the sota, it's unfit, it's unqualified. It's a disqualified. And Rabbi Shimon says, that's okay, the order is not binding. Before we go further, we glance together at the Rashi, about halfway down the page, or maybe a little more, Hiktim Ofor Lamai Basota Posel, Kirifthiv, Posuk in Bamidbor Perakei, Posuk Yudzayan. It says, Vinosan El Hamayim. You put the dirt in the water. Almo Mayim Beresha. The water is there first, and you're adding the dirt to the water. Uksiv, and Bamidbor Perakei, Posuk Lamid, it says, Vinosolo Hakein is Kol Hatur Hazos. And from this pasuk we learned that you have to follow the order as written in the parsha. We go now back to the Gemara. My time the Rebbe Shimon. By having learned the Rashi, we understood the reasoning behind the Tanakama. What's the basis for Rebbe Shimon telling us that the order is not binding? Notice we have a long answer. Following this long answer, the Rabbonin will then reappear. What's their response? So, what's the basis of Rabbi Shimon? Dichtiv, the Pasuk by Pora Aduma. Now we're going to be uh, weaving uh, in and out, back and forth between the topics of Sota and Pora Aduma. By Sota, dirt is added to water. In the case of Pora Aduma, ash is mixed with water. What does it say by Pora Aduma? Uh, and you will take for the uh, defiled from the ash of the burnt uh, heifer. Uh, we made reference to this uh, on a, uh, a, a previous occasion that the word offar, at the beginning of our shear today, when we were discussing can dirt, can uh, afer be used in lieu of offar, so we saw a reference to this posuk that here it's clearly talking about ash and yet the word offer is used Vitanya Omar Rebbe Shimon Fechi offer who? when you read this posuk in Bamidbar Perakutes is it really offer? it says you'll take for the defiled dirt but you're not taking dirt follow Afer who? it's ash you burnt the Poraduma you burnt the red heifer well the the Torah is switched. It changed from what it should have said, or what it, its its simple meaning would have been, and used a different word in order 
to use this as a basis for a word comparison, for Xerushava. In other words, we're going to end up comparing two topics. Poraduma and Sota. Namar Khan Ofar. It says by Poraduma you see the word Ofar. The Namar Lahalon in Sota it says Ofar. Ma Lahalon, just like by the Sota, Ofar Agabi Mayim. We saw that referred to in Rashi before Venosan El Amayim. Afkan, so too by the Pora, Ofar Agabi Mayim. The, the ash is added to the water. Umakan hitim offer lamayim kosher. And by Pora, if you happen to switch the order, uh, which the Gemara will, will, will point out where I know that from, but if I, if uh, by, by Pora, where I see, if you switch the order and put the, off, the, the ash in before the water, it's acceptable. Aflalon, so too by the sota, hitim offer lamayim kosher. If you put the dirt in before the water, it will be acceptable. And by the way, this is, of course, Rebbe Shimon and the opinion of Rebbe Shimon is that which we are analyzing right now the Hasam Minalon and by Torah how do you know that if you put the uh, the ash in first it's okay answer Trey Kroy Ksivi there are two Psukim Ksiv Olav one Psuk says Vinosan Olav Mayim let me, that translates as you place upon it the water. Well, so then what's, what was there first? Alma That indicates that the ash is there first. And upon that I'm putting water. Uksiv, Mayim Chayim El Keli. The Pesach says that Mayim Chayim, the water from the live spring, goes directly into the vessel. There's nothing else there in the vessel before the water. The water goes directly into the vessel. Alma Mayim So you see that water is put in first. So make up your mind. Ha Ketzad, how do you resolve these two psukim within Poraduma? Rotsa ze noisein, rotsa ze noisein. In fact, whichever one you want to put in first, it's okay. Virabonan. Now, what about the Rabonan? The Rabonan don't say uh, whichever you want to put in first is okay. The Rabonan actually say that changing the order, even by Poraduma, is unacceptable. Just like they said by Soto, it's unacceptable. By Para, it's also unacceptable. So the Rabbonin tell you, El Keli Dafka, the Pasuk that says, Mayim Chayim El Keli, that is the binding Pasuk. That is the exact way to do things. Namely, first water. The other Pasuk, which said, Venosan Olav Mayim, that Olav is Le'arvon. It's to tell me that that after you add the ash to the water, it's to be mixed. The Ema, all of Dafka, maybe we can suggest to, to the contrary, that Olav is that which is specific, namely, that ash is put in first, and then you add the water to the ash. And El Keli, that tells me, that the water that's used for the paraduma, it's water from a live spring, that it is drawn in that very vessel that the ash is in already from before. 
the Rashi. We have a little star, so you can go immediately to the point we want to read in the Rashi. Shelohi told min hamayan bekli acher v'itain l'tzochzeh. Uh, that uh, this would be telling me you don't draw the water in another vessel and pour it into this. But rather, with this vessel that had the ash in it from before, you draw the water. Maybe that's the way to go. The Gemara says, no. What do we find in all places. And when he says all places, Rashi says, what do we find, for example, in the case of Sota? Machshir Lamala. Uh, we saw uh, Rashi above, the Rashi that we read at the beginning of this this, uh, this section of the Gemara, the Pasuk had said, Venosan uh, El uh, Hamayim. You put the ash into the water. The ash makes the water effective. So that that's called the machshir. It, it it's the the catalyst for making the water effective. So that just like we find in the case of sota, the machshir lamala, the 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 dirt is put above on top of the water. Afkan so too by the para machshir lamala, the ash is to be put on top of the water. And that's how the rabbonon deal with the psukim. Rabbi Shimon, of course, saw flexibility, the venosan olav mayim chayim al keli olav mayim that you put the ash on the water and then mayim chayim al keli that is venosan olav mayim means that I should say, let me correct myself that would indicate according to Reb Shimon you're putting the water on it, on the ash and mayim chayim el keli the mayim chayim is first there and you'd be putting the ash on top of the water, either way that's, that's Rebbe Shimon with that, we conclude our Shior for today.